Good morning. This morning we begin a sermon series. It's called God's Goals for My Church, and today the theme is grace. It's everything that we build on in our individual lives and in our church life, in the community of Christians that we call Holy Word Lutheran Church here in Austin and Pflugerville. The story goes, a little boy and his mom were on their way home from school. The little boy had a backpack in tote. They go to a store, a little country store on their way home, and mom stops in and gets some groceries, picks up some things, runs some errands there that she needs to run. She goes to the counter, and there at the counter, the kindly old man that knows this little boy very well, he, he sees him, and he goes to the top shelf behind him and brings down a big bucket full of suckers. And he says, here, son, help yourself to a handful. But strangely enough, the little boy, he steps back and puts his hands behind his back. His mom looks at him kind of strange. He loves suckers. Until finally, the kindly old man, he, he, he digs into that bucket uh, himself and he puts a handful of suckers in the boy's backpack Well, on the way out of the store, the mom looks at her little boy and she says, Son, what's the matter? Why didn't you um, grab the suckers when he asked you to? And the son replies, Mom, his hand is a lot bigger than mine. (laughs) I wonder how often I stand in God's store and I fumble around with my little hands. Almost acting like God's blessings need to be earned or they need to be deserved or or like I need to shoplift God's blessings from him because he's so stingy and he's so mean. Why is that? God's promises in his word are this. 1 Corinthians 9 says that God is able to bless us abundantly. He has big hands that sing and he's able to give big gifts. And then in Ephesians, the, the chapter 1, the verse before us, it says that God has blessed us in every way. That means that he's saying that he has big hands and he's ready to give these big blessings. But then why is it in my life that I believe that I, somehow I'm not being blessed or God isn't being kind or I'm not getting the things that I want to get? I didn't get them for Christmas and I didn't get them last Christmas and God's holding back something from me. Well, I could either be doubting God or... Perhaps, maybe this is the reason, I don't know where and when and how God wants to bless me with his biggest blessings. It's like going to the lake, putting your line in the water, and then discovering that there are no fish in the pond. (laughs) We're fishing in a lake because we've gone to the wrong places to expect God's biggest blessings. We're ignorant. Or... Maybe it's that doubt in my heart that believes that God can't bless me big. But if I were to tell you that God does tell us when and how and where he's going to give you the biggest blessings, if I were to tell you that he has taken us like a good fishing guide onto a lake that has fish in it, and then he's taken us to the cove where there's this abundance of fish, and all you have to do is throw your net overboard and it's going to be coming on in, I think that you and I would be there pretty quick. And God has opened up and has brought you to that 
has brought you to that lake, and he brings you to that cove in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul. He was a missionary and a pastor in the church in Ephesus for three years, and in his letter, he writes in the first 15 or so verses this beautiful song of praise and blessing. It's this cove that's full of fish of blessings, and when we go there, we find out how big God's hands are that reach into that bowl and fill up our backpack. We realize how big God's plans are for us individually and for us as a church when we go through this series, God's plans, His goals for my church. And so let's open it up and let's look at God's big hands and God's big plans for us. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God at letters that you wrote back then. You didn't put your name at the end. You put your name at the front. And this was a pretty typical greeting. He says, Paul, an apostle. An apostle means somebody that is sent out or an ambassador, just like we have a U.S. ambassador that travels around the world, goes to China. What does that ambassador represent? Does he represent himself? No, he represents the U.S. government and the president's plan and agenda overseas. Well, Paul is a representative, an apostle who sent out an ambassador, not for himself, but he's an apostle for who? Christ Jesus. That means the following words are words that the Holy Spirit speaks to the people that are being addressed. And this is a message for them. To God's holy people in Ephesus. Let's stop right there. As we start this sermon series, we have to realize that this letter, that this following message from the Holy Spirit through the Ambassador Paul was meant for a local congregation at a time and in a place in history. And so when he wrote this letter through the Holy Spirit, he saw faces. He saw Tara Lynn's face. He saw Bill's face. He saw... Elmer's face. He saw people that he was thinking about when he wrote, and he smelt the coffee in the foyer of that house church that they met in, and he he tasted the fellowship meals, and he heard the songs that they would sing together, and his heart is longing to be back with them, but he can't because he's in jail at this time. He's thinking about people in a real place, in a real time, in a church with a church directory. There was a church there that he's writing to, and so the application for us is this. The words that we're about to hear, we can apply to a local congregation, a group of believers that get together, that have fellowship, that have worship, that have in-home Bible studies, and we can apply it to our lives. But let's say that you just came into Holy Word right now, and you're a visitor, and you're wondering, yeah, that's great, Pastor. You're talking about your church and your people in these verses, but the verse goes on, and it says this, and believers in Christ Jesus... In other words, this message is to be broadcast to all people who put their faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're listening right now as a first-time attender, or maybe you're listening over the airwaves. If you put your faith in Christ Jesus, these following words are true for you as well. And this is a beautiful, big hands and big plans from God for you in your individual life. So as we go through these verses, two questions. What is God asking of my church? And what is God asking of me? How is he moving me? How is he moving my church with his grace? Okay? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message right there. Grace and peace to you individually and to your church. Amen. Sermon over. Series over. I just saved you three weeks right there. That's it. That's the big gift. Pastors have to keep preaching over five minutes. Impossible for us to do less. So, Grace and peace are yours. What's that saying is this, there's a free gift. You heard about it in the Ephesians chapter 2 reading. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. That means that you can't pay for it. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. You can't even pay it back. 
because the gift is so big. And that grace that has been shown to you is peace. It's peace. God's message for me and my church is this. My hands pour out peace. And he did that in verse 7 when you read later on. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. God's grace and his big blessings come. And when we think, well, we're God. Where are your blessings? Well, he brings you to the lake and he brings you to his cross. Where he, where he spread out his big, generous hands and he had them pierced. Because you and I are sinners and we can't stand in front of a holy God. And there had to be a payment for that sin. Otherwise, we would suffer hell. And Jesus suffered hell there on the cross. And it's through his blood and through his big, generous hands for free that he won you back, that he forgave your sins, and that he gives you eternal life. This is the foundation of the series. This is the foundation of our lives individually and as a congregation. God's hands pour out peace on the cross for free. And we're not going to change that message, not in our sermons, not in our counseling, not in our in-home Bible studies. That is the foundation of everything else that we teach and think and do and encourage. God's hands that pour out peace. Two questions then, right? First question, what does this mean for my church? Are we going to be a place where this is a social club? Where we get together to have a good time? Sure, yeah, from time to time, but Will this be a place, rather, first of all, that, and I like it, another congregation in our fellowship in the, in, the, in the area has it this way written, right in front of their doors, an oasis for the gospel. Will this be a place that we come together to receive gifts, not to do for God, but to receive gifts like forgiveness in your baptism, to receive gifts like forgiveness in the Lord's Supper, to receive gifts when we hear the Word of God preached, to receive gifts in mutual encouragement and singing. It's a privilege to be Holy Word Lutheran Church, and God has given us that gift as an oasis for the gospel. Individually, am I coming to church to uh, fulfill my function, to be on the board, to sing in the choir, or I come to church because somebody else is there that if I'm not seen there, I'm going to lose face with them and they're going to think this and that and the other thing. No! I come to church because of grace and peace. And I am a sinner in need of grace and peace. Peace when I look face, death in the face and I wonder to myself, am I going to be okay? You have pay, peace knowing that Jesus gives you eternal life. Peace, wondering, have I done enough today to make up for the bad things that I've done? Am I okay in God's eyes, or I have to do, do I have to do more peace, grace? That's what's shown when you come to church and you hear about the big, beautiful, generous hands and plans that God has for you. He goes on. Verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In other words, he's saying here that his final and biggest plan for you is to be heaven-blessed. We have all sorts of spiritual blessings, right? It talks about spiritual blessings. We have spiritual blessings like some of us have the blessing ability to encourage. You, you saw Stacy Greer on the screen earlier. He has a huge encouragement. An encourager. We have blessings of people that are uh, generous, uh, extra generous. We have, we have people that have music gifts. We have public speaking gifts. We have uh, a com- gift of comforting. We have all these spiritual gifts. We have a building. Goodness sake, we have a building where we can have church, a spiritual blessing to edify the gospel. We have all these spiritual blessings that are individuals or p- things that are put into our life. But he says this, 
Although we have all sorts of different blessings, we have one common blessing, and that's this, that we've been blessed in the spiritual, that we've been blessed in the heavenly realms. And that's not just a blessing that just Pastor Dan has, but it goes from pulpit to pew to your home to your life. It's a blessing that covers it all, and it's the number one blessing that navigates this ship called Holy Word Lutheran Church, and it navigates our ship called our life. Two questions. What does this mean for our church? When we come to church, are we, are we here to show off our spiritual blessings? Because they're so awesome and they're so great, and there are many awesome and great ones. Or do we come to church because we are heaven-blessed first? And then we use our gifts and our blessings, time, talents, and abilities, whatever they may be, to serve and glorify God because we're heaven-blessed. Individually ask the same question. Why do I use the blessings that I have the way that I do? Is it because I've been so richly blessed by God and that he's given me all things in heaven, or is it for a selfish reason? If it's for a selfish reason, go back to the cross, and you're going to be heaven-blessed and forgiven again. His plan is to make you heaven-blessed, and then he goes on, verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Okay, review. Where has he blessed us? At the cross. How has he blessed us? Heavenly, heavenly blessings. He's given us heaven. And now we learn when he blessed us. February 1st is the Iowa caucus. February 9th is New Hampshire. And September 8th, rather November 8th, 2016 is the presidential election. And before that time, from now till then... You're going to hear stump speeches. You're going to hear reasons for uh, people to be elected. You're going to hear reasons to not elect people. You're going to hear foreign and domestic policy. uh, And and you're going to hear debates. All so that that person can get elected and be chosen by us, the people. Okay? That's the way it works in America, but that's not the way it works with God. This is the way it works with God. You and I never had a stump speech. And if we did have a stump speech, it'd be bad news because we're sinners. You and I never had to make a case for God to love us, but God did this. It says, before the creation of the world, he and his big generous hand cast a vote for you. That means that he accepted you. That means that he chose you to be part of his family before the creation of time. That's how much that he loved you. So my question is this, what does that mean for my church? That means that I'm going to treat you just the same way that God treated you. He treated you with care, he treated you with concern, and he treated you the way that you would want to be treated, but he did that even before the beginning of time. That's how thoughtful that he was. And so when I'm sitting down with a leadership meeting, when I'm sitting down with volunteers, when I'm sitting down with Christians who have been elected before the beginning of time by God because God cares for you so much, I'm going to treat you the same way and you're going to treat me the same way with love and care and concern. And when I meet somebody, whether it's in the neighborhood or whether it's a guest attending church and I don't know what's on their heart, I'm going to treat them with the same love and care that would win that person over because God loves them. And gave his life for them on the cross when he handed out, when he put out his big generous hands on the cross. That's how much God cared for you. And in light of that, it says, um, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Because God chose me before the beginning of time, I'm also going to live my life 
like I was chosen before the beginning of time. Not throwing my life away to the things of this world, but to live in the presence of God. It says in that last reading from Ephesians 2, verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, God looks at the way that you live your life, and God cares about it. And he cares that you do good works because he's created you to do that since the beginning of time. He predestined us for adoption of his sonship through Jesus Christ and in, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves, speaking about Jesus. Look at that in verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to what? Slavery? Did he predestine us to adoption of going to Jesus' camp and living up a cleaned-up life so that everybody else is impressed in us? No, he's made us not to be slaves, but he's made us to be adopted as sons and daughters. That's different. That's a big deal. He's made you to be his child, and he's going to value you like a real child. Although it says he adopted you, he's not going to treat you any different than his real blood son. Because in your baptism, his blood covered you. And so you're going to be valued just like a real son, just like a real daughter. And your value is not going to lose it. I have a $100 bill right here, Desi. Do you want it? Sure? Okay, she's not too excited about it. Anybody really want it? <laughs> you want this? Okay, why? It's worth quite a bit, isn't it? Um, but what if I were to take this $100 bill and fold it up kind of like this, and now you can't even see the 100 anymore, and Uncle Ben, well, he's buried somewhere in there. I don't know where. Do you still want it, even though it looks like a gum wrapper? Yes. You still want it. Why? Because it's still worth the same amount of money. It's still worth the same amount of money. Okay. What if I were to take this $100 bill and I were to crumple it all up just like this? And it, now it does look like a piece of trash. It's a gum wrapper that I got out of Rex's pocket. You still want that, that piece of trash right there? Why? Because it's still worth the same amount. It's still worth the same amount whether it's crisp or whether it's all crumpled up just like this, right? And you still want it. Now, for the first two services, I used the excuse that I had to use it for a different service. But now I have to use it to replace my garbage disposal this afternoon. And so I wish I could give it to you. But the point is this. This $100 bill, it doesn't lose value. It keeps the same value whether it's crisp and clean or whether it's all crinkled up. When it says that God elected you before the beginning of time to be his son and to be his daughter, that means that you will not lose your value. And you may feel like a crumpled up $100 bill. And you may feel like you messed up your life so much that God can never value you or forgive you. But your value never changed. How will we, together as a church, live under that grace? We'll return every week, if possible, every Bible study, yearning for that value. Yearning to hear about how much we're loved by him on the cross with his big, generous hands, and then applying that and giving that to our neighbor. We'll do that when we have greeters at the doors. We'll value people just the way that their Savior values them. We'll do that by hospitality in worship. We'll do that by hospitality in the homes. We'll do that with hospitality and gentleness and value and meetings and volunteer events. We'll do it in every aspect of ministry to keep the same value for that person that God has for you because you never lose value with him when he calls you his son and when he calls you his daughter. 
I remember I messed up really bad in high school, and um, there had to be a phone call. I had to call mom and dad, and um, I was really thankful that when I picked up that phone on the other end, before I could even say anything, and dad had already heard the news, he said, I still love you, and I still forgive you. That's a real love from a father to a son, and that's the real love that God has given to you and me. He's not going to forget how much he loves you, and he's going to value you the same all the time. So he hold, you hold value with God, and he's not going to let you go. And finally it says, 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Does anybody know John and Lisa Robinson? John and Lisa Robinson of Mumford, Tennessee. A couple hands maybe in the back. John and Lisa were the ones, you didn't know them last week, but you maybe should know them now. They're the ones who won the lottery, right? The big lottery. Uh, $533 million was their share of the lottery. Now let's say for a minute that you are really close friends with John and Lisa, which I'm sure they're getting a lot of phone calls from close friends these days. But let's say that you really truly were a close friend to John and Lisa, and they knew something about you. They knew that you had a certain passion for a charity or for a cause. Maybe it's the homeless shelter. Maybe it's the food bank. Maybe it's something personal like you've had breast cancer and that you have a certain desire to raise money for breast cancer awareness and research or, 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 the, or the, the, the dog pound, whatever it, was, whatever it is that you have a, a passion for. They come to you and they say, Pastor Dan, I want to give out of our riches towards your charity that you're passionate about. And I say, yeah, that'd be great. Let's do it. That's awesome. Thank you. And congratulations on winning the lottery. Let's get, let's get the ball moving on this. And so they say, okay, let's go out to lunch tomorrow. And tomorrow we go out to lunch. And at lunch, I talk about how thankful I am. And I'm talking about how much we're going to change the whole world with this donation. And, and they have a smile on their face. And, they, and I said, you're really ready to do this? And they said, yes, we want to give out of our riches. And then I wait with bated breath as they open up the checkbook and they start to write a check and my heart is thumping with how much money are they going to give me and they rip that check out of the checkbook and they slide it across the table to me. I pick it up and it's $10. $10. Did John and Lisa give out of their riches? Yeah, $10 is part of $533 million. Did John and Lisa give according to their riches? No. When it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, he's telling you that God is not stingy. That when you walk into his store, you don't have to have feeble little hands wondering that if God is going to withhold anything from you, he has not withheld anything from you. In fact, he gives according to his riches, and the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and he's given you according to his glorious riches and his grace. And so we can open up our backpack expecting God to bless us, and we can go to that place on the lake and say, God, It's right here that you put all the fish. You've given me the forgiveness of sins. You've given me the how you blessed me. You blessed me in the spiritual way. You've even given me all these material and blessings that I can use towards uh, your kingdom and your glory. And then you can remember that God values you like a son and like a daughter. And that he has rich 
and generous hands. And finally, he says, verse 8, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Notice there again, he says, verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will. And there's a lot of things in life that are a mystery, aren't there? Why did God take my loved one when he took them? Why did I not get that scholarship? Why did I not get my Christmas present last year that I wanted and I didn't get it again this year or whatever it is? Why do Minnesota kickers miss important field goals and close games in the playoffs and then Rodgers can close his eyes and launch a ball up into the air and it's a touchdown? I don't know. These are all mysteries. From small to medium to big, the mysteries exist but there is no mystery notice it says when it says he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure he says the most important things in life the thing that i want you to know and the blessing i want you to have has been revealed to you deuteronomy 29:29 29, 29 says the secret things of god belong to god but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever the revealed things that god has big generous hands and is going to forgive you every time the big generous giver and planner of our life and our congregation has plans to bless us and to give us all good things in heaven. And he has also cast a vote and he values you. And so my prayer is for our series, for our congregation, for us individually, is to put our hope in the one who gives us all good things. For us to find the lake that he gives us and to find the place where he blesses us and he tells us when and how and where. He wants to give us his biggest gifts. May God have big hands and big plans for us. Always. Amen.